This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 is where we're going to be at this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I didn't envision or anticipate the first Sunday of the new year having church in a hotel. That wasn't my, my intention. I had a lot of really good plans come to January 1st. I had personal goals and family goals and I had church goals and ministry goals and all these other goals that I have. I haven't touched a single solitary one of them yet, uh, but I promise that I'm going to at, at some point. But uh, a date on a calendar is just a date on a calendar for us. Uh, we as a church, we're going to continue to walk by faith in the year ahead. Uh, next Sunday was supposed to be our vision night service. Uh, we're going to postpone that by at least one week. Uh, if we're not back into our building by the 21st, we're just going to go ahead and let it rip anyways. And so uh, that's the idea. Tonight, there won't be any five o'clock service uh, for, for us. Uh, teens have a teen Bible study at um, one of the condos across the street from our church building. Uh, and so if you need details on that, you can see uh, Brian or Jordan on that. And so if you have teens, uh, they can go to that tonight at five o'clock, but no uh, service. If you need a copy of the notes for today or you need a pen, raise your hand. We got ushers coming through right now. If you need a copy of the notes or a pen this morning, grab one of those from our ushers. Anybody, anybody. Don't get too comfortable here. Our our children's ministry loves having about 4,000 square feet of ministry space over there. They love it. Uh, The ladies love having nine bathroom stalls, right? Don't get too comfortable, okay? Uh, we're, we're going home really, really soon. Uh, but, uh, but here's the thing. It's, it's nice to have for, for a minute and uh, good to enjoy that. But uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 is where we're going to be at this morning. Uh, we're taking a break from, from Romans for, for just a minute. Uh, and I hope today's message is super helpful for all of us as we start uh, the new year off. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter number 3. Uh, we're going to back up to verse number, um, let's say verse number 3 here. Just to give us uh, some context of what we're going to jump into today, we're really going to focus on verses 9 through 15, uh, but I want to start back in verse number 3. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another say, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? Paul planted the church at Corinth. He was kind of the original founding pastor of that church. And then a man later behind Paul came uh, named Apollos and pastor of that church. And so Paul had already left. Apollos comes. And then there became division in the church where people were like, well, I'm really a, more of a follower of Paul. And people said, well, I'm an Apollos kind of guy. And there was division in the church. And Paul's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No division in the church at all. And again, this is important for us to remember as well. There can never be any type of division in the church. There can't be two people who don't get along or two people don't like each other. We see each other at church, but we don't talk to one another. That cannot happen in Jesus' church. That's, That's a recipe for disaster. And so he's saying here, hey, set aside all this division because it's carnal. It's fleshly. It's not spiritual. Uh, He goes on in verse number um, uh, six to say this, I have planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. So neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now, he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. So Paul says here, hey, Apollos was just doing his job. I just did my job. But at the end of the day, God did the work. Uh, you and I, whatever we do for the cause of Christ, we uh, can never think that we've accomplished anything or we've done anything in and of our own power. It's God at work through us. And it goes on in verse number nine, really where we're going to spend our time here today. For we are laborers together with God. We are God's husbandry and ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, the foundation of Jesus, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. 
any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet as so by fire. When we uh, had our fire last uh, Saturday night, it was uh, the fire department left about 11 o'clock, and I knew I didn't have enough time to turn around and put together a church service somewhere and, and get the word out to people. But I knew this. We can't just not meet anymore because we don't have a building space. We just That's just not an option. Uh, that's not how church operates. I was talking to a man this past week and uh, asked him about his brother-in-law. I said, does he go to church? And he says, well, they go to church online because they've been doing online church since COVID. And I thought to myself, that's almost four years, four years of watching a video on your computer or on your phone and not actually having eyeball-to-eyeball time with the body of Christ. Friends, that is not church. You can, you can watch videos. I, I've been helped by preaching that I've watched online. I've been helped by YouTube videos. I've been helped by other people's online ministries. But friend, that is not church. The church, by very nature, must gather together. So, so again, we began looking last week, uh, man, Monday was a holiday, and that was, couldn't get a hold of anybody on that, but Tuesday I began looking at like, hey, where can our church, who we call a Baptist church, gather together corporately on the following Sunday? And man, if you've got, if you think like, oh, I've got a really good idea, we've probably already thought about it or run it down somewhere, because uh, we went through probably, uh, I would say I personally about, had about 50 different venues that I was working through and kind of whittled the list down, and this was the, uh, the best bad option that we had. And it's worked great and we're really thankful for it. But uh, as I begin to, to work through this, I thought we have to gather because that's what the church uh, does. Paul in verse number nine tells us that it's not about a building because we are the building. So now, when can we get back into our church facilities? That's a, that's a really important question that, trust me, if anybody wants the answer to it, uh, I do. I've been talking to uh, insurance agents and adjusters and electricians and restoration companies and uh, trying to put people's feet to the fire to get things moving. Uh, if you've ever had to do anything in Hawaii, you know that things don't always move relatively quickly. Um, people say, I'll have that to you tomorrow, and then three days later, you still don't have it. That just happens. So if anybody wants to crank up the heat, it's me. But at the end of the day, the building itself is not as important as the church itself because the church is the building. Here we've gathered together as who we call a Baptist church here today at the Alamoana Hotel uh, to show that the, our, the church is not a building. The church is here today. And so uh, this is the first time, this is a historic day uh, for you as well because this is the first time in the history of Huikala that we did not meet on a Sunday morning at 1216 Waimano Street that we met somewhere else. We've never met off-site from the, our very first Sunday. Uh, we were in that building and that's the only place we've ever gathered together to meet. And so uh, kind of historic today, but at the end of the day, the building itself is not as important as the people who make up the church. We are the building you see, in the Old Testament, there was the, the Spirit of God uh, would come and dwell with the children of Israel, and, and God gave them specific instructions how to set up the tabernacle while they were traveling through the wilderness. It was basically a, a tent that would get put up, and God's Spirit would come down and dwell inside the tabernacle. And when, whenever the uh, Spirit would leave, and they, they were needing to move on to the next place, they'd pack up the, the tabernacle and tent and move it on to the next place, and they, they sit, put down roots for a minute, they put the tabernacle back up, the Spirit of God comes back. Then David becomes king and says, God, I have a house, but you don't have a house. I want to build you a house. And God says, you can't build me a house because you shed too much blood, but I'll let you prepare it. And so uh, David uh, began the preparations for the temple, and Solomon built the temple. And when the temple of Solomon was done, they threw uh, a massive sacrifice of animals after animals, uh, a huge celebration of the opening of the house of God. And God's spirit came down and dwelt with his people there in the temple. And the Holy of Holies was where the spirit of God was, with the Ark of the Covenant. It was really special place. And then when uh, the uh, children of Israel uh, uh, lost the temple, uh, and the temple became is now uh, the, the uh, Dome of the Rock, which is a Muslim mosque in the place where the temple was, uh, because the temple is not important anymore, because if you read through 1 Corinthians, you'll find that you and I are the temple of the Spirit of God. And so God takes the focus off of this big, huge facility, uh, and the, the temple as originally built was like nothing you've ever seen before. I mean, it was like extravagant over the top. And now God says, hey, that building's not so much important. I'm really concerned about you. I don't need a building to dwell in anymore. Uh, my people don't need a, a building to gather together in. I'm worried about them as people individually. The church is a people, not a place. 
I understand what people say, like, hey, I've got to stop by the church and pick something up, or hey, I'm going to come to uh, the church and drop off some things. I understand what you mean by that, but you're really speaking in terms of a facility that houses where the church meets together corporately, because you're not dropping anything off at the church, you're dropping things off at a building, which happens to be used for religious purposes, so many times people put so much focus and emphasis on buildings that the, the building is uh, super important or we need to make sure that it you know, has, is really tall, it has, it's brick, it has you know, these big huge white columns that there's a, you walk in and there's a fireplace and there's a big you know, 15 foot tree where everybody can have their, their Christmas uh, uh, photos taken. And again, so many times so much focus is, is put on like building a building or a property or a campus. And if you've ever been to churches on the mainland, you'll, you'll find churches that have hundreds of acres of, of facilities and they're constantly trying to develop and get a new building and a new ministry space and we're going to build a new uh, gymnasium, we're going to build a new team building and things like that. But I don't ever want to become a real estate property manager. I want to be a person that impacts people with the gospel of Jesus. And so in this case here, we, we need to understand that the church is not a place, the church is a people. Man, a building helps us facilitate ministry, but ministry takes part, a place apart from a building. I realized this past week the things that I have taken for granted, electricity. <laughs> we worked for the last seven days at the, at the church building with no electricity, and so uh, we had to get these battery backups, so we have to charge off of a gas generator throughout the day, and we got to take flashlights everywhere we go, and then our flashlights run out of battery, we got to charge our flashlights, and it's just like, uh, man, my, my laptop's dead, and i got to find a place to plug it into, and you, you still walk in the bathroom and flip the light on even though you know that there's no electricity, and just things that you take for granted. But you know what I realized? The other thing that I take for granted is that us gathering together on a regular basis. You know, we didn't meet last Sunday. We didn't meet together collectively on uh, this past Wednesday. But the week before that, the week of Christmas, we didn't have our small groups in that week either. And so some of you, it's been like three weeks since I've seen you. And like, I miss that. I, I don't know about you, but like I need to gather together with my brothers and sisters because if I don't, something's missing. Uh, we went as a family last uh, Sunday, uh, about 4.30, we went to, to grab dinner somewhere, and I thought to myself, here I am at 4.30 on a Sunday afternoon, not in church, just eating uh, like I don't love Jesus. And I thought, man, this is, this is weird. Like, man, is somebody going to see me and think like, oh, wow, he used to be all about the 5 o'clock service, right? But now it's just like out eating dinner at 4.30. Like, it felt weird to me. I felt out of place. Um, you know, I hung around at the, the church building on Wednesday night uh, to catch anybody that maybe didn't get the word about our small groups uh, meeting there. And, and thankfully, we got the word out fairly effectively. And nobody showed up on Wednesday night for a small group. But I was sitting there waiting. And then I thought to myself, well, I can't just, like, go home now. Like, I have to meet with people. And so I stopped by the Relentless group. They were the closest ones nearby. And I just stopped and said Hi. Because God created us for community. God created us for fellowship. I was reading this several months ago in the, the book of Genesis. Cain killed his brother Abel, and God told him, you're going to roam the earth from here on out, and you'll never, ever find a home, and you'll never find people to connect with. That was Cain's curse. And you know what Cain said to that? That is more than I can bear. The fact that I'll never connect and I'll never find a place of belonging and a place to be for the rest of my life. And so that just shows the critical importance of you and I being connected together. The building helps make things much more convenient. Don't get me wrong. It's been uh, a blessing to have a building and have a place where we've met for the last 10 years. And hey, people want to stop by and do discipleship on a Monday night, then you're free to do that. You want to, uh, you know, hold a Bible study with some other guys or get together and pray. Man, super easy to do that. Or somebody wants to come in and drop off some stuff for their lesson. Uh, on the, the following Sunday, man, easy. But please understand that ministry was never intended to take place in a building. It was meant to energize us to go out and change the world. That's the idea. And so us gathering here together as the church here today, we're simply just doing New Testament Christianity. And again, ministry is not taking place just here today. Ministry should be taking place when we leave here today. It should be taking place on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Building makes it much more convenient, that's for sure, but the building does not make the ministry. The work that Jesus desires us to do was never intended to be confined to a single location. Before Jesus left, he gave the church its mission statement. We call it the Great Commission. You can break it up into four parts. Go, win, baptize, teach. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. It's the Great Commission. 
It's repeated in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the book of Acts. So really big deal, super important. Jesus was ridiculously clear. The very first part of the Great Commission is what? Go. Like the idea that, that churches today sit hear songs, sing songs, hear somebody share a devotional thought from the Bible that might not even be from the Bible, and then just go home and wait till next Sunday, that was never intended to be biblical Christianity, ever. And, and it, it grieves me to read all these studies that come out that the church is declining in America, and the church is, has lost its power, and young people don't want to be a part of uh, religion and church anymore. Look, the majority of churches that I see, that I, that I have been to, I wouldn't want to be a part of it either, and I love Jesus, because it's dead. It's the idea of, like, come to this building, we're going to give you a shot in the arm, and come back next Sunday, and we'll do it all over again. Uh, Angela and I went to a church one time in North Carolina. It was basically just a pep rally is all it was, you know. Uh, the music, like, get on your feet. Let's give Jesus some praise and put your hands in the air if you love Jesus. Okay, I love Jesus, but I'm specifically not putting my hands in the air just because you told me to. And so, mm, like, I mean, I stood there like this, like, arms crossed. Like, you can't make me. I was going to, and then you told me to do that, and now I'm totally not doing it, right? But it, and so the, the music was loud. When you walk in, no lie, they gave you like earplugs with like the, the, the church logo on the earplugs. And I was just like, oh, this is silly. Like, I'm, I'm young, right? I'm, I'm, I'm young, right? Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I, I don't need earplugs. And no lie, they started, and we were like on like the 12th row, and it was just like, this is distracting. This is annoying. This is frustrating. But it was all about energy. And the pastor comes out and uh, he didn't even open the Bible, but he said some things about the Bible. And it was just like, you know, if you want to claim God's power in your life, say amen. And you're like, ah. it's just like, what is this? Because here's what happens. After the emotion wears off, what are you left with? Well, I want God's power in my life, but there's nobody to shout with me, right? I'd be like, what are you supposed to do with that? And so the idea that, that church has fallen out of favor with America today, I think the type of church that we have has fallen out of favor with Jesus as well. Because it's not about Jesus any longer. It's not about the word. And it's about a location. It's about an experience. It's about uh, come on Sunday and have this emotional connection. It's not about going out and changing the world. The first part of the Great Commission is go. And so ministry at Huicala will continue to take place regardless of if we have a building or not. And so how can you be a part? We're going to talk about that in just a minute because verse number 10 tells us that we are building the church together. Take a look at verse number 9. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. You are God's building. So to help you out in, in King James English, ye is kind of like y'all. It's a you all, right? It's, it's a plural you. So uh, if you're from the South, you can say y'all. So you can say y'all are God's building. Uh, and if you're not from the South, I, I, I apologize. You all or you folks or you individuals uh, uh, is how it would go. If you're really, really like country, you'd say yuns, right? Uh, how many people know yuns, right? There you go. Now you know it. So he says, you all are God's building. Verse number 10, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. Paul says this, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereupon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Paul says this, I laid a foundation for you and now it's your job to build Jesus's church. Now, important to understand, the church belongs to Jesus. I, I like it when people say, like, oh, I invited somebody to our church. That shows ownership. Like, this, this is not just, like, a church. This is the church that, like, I worship at. This is my church. These are my people. Uh, you guys are my family. I love that. But make no mistake, the church doesn't belong to me. The church doesn't belong to you. It belongs to Jesus. But Paul says, I've laid the foundation, which is Jesus, and now it's y'all's job to build Jesus' church. And so, how do we do that? And he gives you uh, instructions here. Be very, very careful how you build. Let, let every man take heed uh, to, to mind, be wary of, be thoughtful of, be careful of how you build Jesus' church. 
many people have asked, what can we do? And here's the thing I love about uh, who we call it, is we are a church family that's ready to like roll up our sleeves and like get after it. I mean, uh, last Sunday morning, we were like, there was still like smoke coming off of stuff last Sunday morning. Uh, Bill Harrison rolls in uh, with a backwards baseball cap, a tank top, and like work boots pulled up to his knees. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he was just like, pastor, I'm here to get after it. There's literally nothing to do today. And so, I, man, I hate, I, I give you a hug. Let's sit down and talk for a minute. But like, there's nothing to do yet. We got to wait for insurance companies and cleanup companies and all this other stuff. But I love that spirit. That's what makes our, our church unique is the fact that like, hey, point me in a direction and I'm going to go after it. I'm going to get it done. And so right now, people say, hey, what can I do? Right now, there is no work per se, to do uh, to the building, to the property itself. But that doesn't mean that there's nothing you can do, because here's the thing. Work is easy. Care for Jesus's church is difficult. It would be really easy for me to say, like, hey, today we're going to have a cleanup. You know, we need bring your shovels and bring your uh, garbage bags and bring a pair of gloves and uh, come help clean up. I think we would have a great turnout for something like that. I really do. Here's the thing. That's easy. I'm going to ask you today to do something for the church. This is part of you helping build the church. I'm going to ask you this week to connect with one person, coffee, meal, uh, man, a text message, phone call, email. Connect with one person in our church family, maybe somebody that you don't know or don't know well, maybe somebody that you didn't see today. Make a connection with them. And here's the thing. I'm going to give you those instructions, and I, if I know anything about most churches, most, maybe 10, 15 people might actually do that this week, but I'm asking you, if this is your church and you want to do something, care for the people of this church. That's what makes the church unique. Uh, I don't know if you've ever attended a church before where you came and went and nobody even knew that you were there. Uh, you know, nobody knows your name, nobody knows, you know, what your story is, where you're from. May we never be, God forbid we ever be a church where people can just come and go and nobody knows who they are. That's not what we're about. Work is easy. Here's the thing about it. Uh, our insurance company, or actually probably our landlord's insurance company, is going to have somebody come and clean the facility from top to bottom. I don't think I understood, like, what restoration companies do. Like, I thought, like, you know, roll up the big roll-up door and put a fan and, like, blow it all out or something. But, like, they're talking about, like, going up on a scissor lift and wiping down every piece of insulation in the ceiling and, like, chemically treating all of the rafters to make sure that all the chemicals are gone. Like, like every single, like, curve in the rafters. And I was like, I didn't really think about that, I think. But like that's the level of detail that they have to go into. Here's the thing. Insurance is going to pay for somebody to do that. I don't need you to do that. Some of you be like, oh, I could totally do that. I don't need you to do that. I need you to care for people in our church. I need you to reach out to somebody. I need you to talk to your neighbor or your coworker and bring them to Jesus. I need you to reach out to somebody in your small group this week. You say, I'm not in a small group. All the reason more why you need to get in a small group this week because building Jesus' church is not about making the facility look nice again or getting rid of a smoke smell or uh, shampooing the carpets. All of those things need to be done. But building Jesus' church is about caring for people. And when we talk about ministry, ministry is not something just a pastor or a paid staff would do. Ministry is serving. That's all it is. And so for all the people who greeted you on the way in, to the people who are watching kiddos over there next door for us today, they're serving in ministry today because that's their way of helping build Jesus' church. And so here's how this should work for you. You find a local body of believers where you feel at home. You feel like, this is my place. These are my people. Then you commit to that, that group of people, and then you serve Jesus with them until God providentially moves you on. That's how it's supposed to happen. And while you're here, you're supposed to be here like lock, stock, and barrel. And so, so many people have asked, hey, pastor, what can I do? You can pray. Uh, you can reach out to other people. You can love people. You can encourage people. Uh, that's one of the best things that you can do for your church at this time because it's not about the building. The building will be taken care of. That's, that's the easy part. Caring for people is difficult. You know why? Because it requires a connection first and foremost, and it requires certain levels of vulnerability. I got to be willing to open my heart up to people a little bit, and I might get burned. And some of us have been burned by church before, and you're like, mm, I've, I've done that whole like open up thing before, and it didn't turn out well for me. Good. Would you give God another chance to show you how it should be done? Would you be willing to just be vulnerable in obedience to, to God's command and be fully committed to his body? I think you'd be surprised at what happens in your life when that happens. John chapter 13, verse number 34 says this, Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you. 
that you love one another. Interesting, we, we talk about the Ten Commandments, you know. But here Jesus says, I'm giving you a new commandment. This is a commandment that you haven't heard yet. Everything else is prohibitive. Don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, don't commit adultery. But here's something that he says in the positive, a new commandment that I give to you. What is it? That you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. And by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Jesus says the defining characteristic that you really love me, that you really want to help my church, defining characteristic is that you would love other people. It would be so much easier if Jesus says, you know, if you love me, grab a broom and start sweeping. Maybe like, ah, too easy. (laughs) Show me where to go, we'll do it, you know. Hey, grab a garbage bag and take out the trash. Hey, too easy, got it. But he doesn't say that, does he? He says, I'm giving you a new commandment, and it's this. I need you to love other people, not the way that you want to or the way that you think is appropriate or what feels comfortable for you. I want you to love other people the way that I have loved you. That's a pretty deep love. That's precisely what Jesus' church needs. That's what we need right now. That's the critical need of our church in this hour is that we would not be disconnected. Uh, We would not be, uh, again, that's one of the reasons why we went through great lengths to be able to sit together in the same room and worship Jesus today because times like this, we cannot afford to be disconnected and checked out. You gotta be checked in. You gotta lean in in times like this because the church is about looking out for others. Always has been, always will be. Now, again, I think it's important when you find a church, hey, does this church preach the Bible? Uh, Hey, is it solid doctrinally? Uh, Can someone hear the gospel here and be saved? Uh, Can I grow? Can my family grow uh, together? Do we have a place that we can serve? All those things are really uh, super duper important when choosing a church for sure. But then there comes a place after you figure out like, okay, this is the place where I'm supposed to be. The church is no longer about me. Church is now about everybody else. That Angela and I were, had been going to church for probably about 12 months or so, and, and I, I heard a pastor preach a message about consumer Christianity or investment Christianity. Consumer's looking for, hey, what can I get from this? Investment is looking for, what can I put into this? It's a different mindset. And I was really convicted because up to that point, I had been very consumer-focused. Like, like, this church didn't even have coffee. Like, are you kidding me? And then they, they like got a coffee station. I was just like, awesome, praise God. And you come in and it's a Keurig. If you're a coffee drinker, you know that like that's not real coffee, okay? Is it convenient? Yes, it's convenient. Is it easy? Sure, it's easy. But friend, that's not real coffee. Like you need to like actually brew coffee to make good, good coffee. And so, but like I was just like, wow, like of all things we got a Keurig here? That's so lame, you know? Like, and what do they got for my kids? Man, the, the guy that's teaching the, the class for kids is kind of kind of quirky, kind of a dork, you know? Like, I just don't really want to drop this, this dork on Sunday morning. Like, I don't know about that, you know? And it, and it became all about me. And then that idea in my mind clicked that the church was never meant for anything for me other than equipping me to actually go out and do stuff for Jesus. That's what the Bible says, the, the, for the equipping of the saints, saints are those of us that are children of God, that are saved, born again, equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, to go out and actually get stuff done for Jesus. That's what it's all about. And so the church exists for looking out for other people. And Paul tells us in verse number 10 at the very end there, let every man take heed how he build thereupon. Pay attention to how you're building. Again, if you have a flippant attitude towards Jesus' church, you are building in a very haphazard way. When uh, we first started Huicala, um, we were putting up some walls, and the very first thing we had when we got the keys there is there's this big, huge, um, in the super church room, uh, there's a huge wall that had no drywall on it. And so I thought, man, I'm get a sheet of drywall and fix that. That's an easy fix, right? Just put up a sheet of drywall, call it good. And so I buy a sheet of drywall, uh, and I get it, and I measure off, and I make the, the angle. The angle is, like, perfect. I mean, just, like, straight as an arrow, perfect. And it goes time to cut it, and I grab a circular saw to start cutting the sheetrock, and it's like, 
and sheetrock dust goes flying in a cloud like this. And I was just like, okay, this was a bad idea. And so I pull out my phone, no lie, and I Google, how do you cut drywall? And come to find out, you use a razor knife, you <laughs> score it, and then you snap it. Really easy. No circular saws involved at all. I was an idiot. I didn't know what I was doing. And so uh, many of those stories I could tell you where I did things haphazardly, not really knowing what I was doing. Paul says when it comes to building Jesus' church, you need to be really, really careful how you build Jesus' church. Because if Jesus' church becomes about a building, Jesus' church becomes about the, the show or the, the, the great worship team at this church or uh, the church becomes about a personality or a person or something along those lines, you, you haven't built properly. Because the church is built on the foundation of Jesus. And Paul says, as you build the church, take care, take heed, pay attention to how you build. And so that's the thing. Holy Call is a church that got started 10 years ago, but by the grace of God, it's going to be around, still preaching Jesus long after we're dead and in heaven. That's the plan here. But to build a church like that, we have to make sure that the foundation is solid, which is Jesus, and it is. And we got to take really good care how we build. And so I ask you today, how is your building, how is your investment in who we call it? Can you look at that and say, like Paul says, I am a wise master builder. I don't know if I would call myself a wise master builder, but I think I've been tried to, to be wise in building for sure. I don't know if it's the master level or not. But I want to take great care, and I want to encourage you to do the same. Huikala is only as good and only as strong as we are good and we are strong. It's not about having a charismatic leader. It's not about having you know, the right type of music or the right type of this or that. It's about us having the right mindset that we're building something of eternal significance. Verse number 11 tells us that Jesus Christ is the foundation. If Jesus isn't the foundation, everything else falls apart. B bottom line. The goal of the church was never to draw a crowd. The, the goal of the church was never to have a, a big facility. The goal of the church was never to, you know, release new music every, you know, six to eight months or anything. The goal of the church was always to go win, baptize, teach. And we do that because that's what Jesus told us to do, and he's the foundation. When the foundation becomes anything other than Jesus, uh, we're on shaky, shaky ground at that point. There's no person in particular that's the foundation. I tried really, really hard over the course of, of, of starting Hui Kala to make sure that Hui Kala is never directly associated with Anthony King. It can't be. Because uh, if I get hit by a bus or something like that, like this church has to go on. And if the foundation is on me or another personality in our church and that person leaves, the whole thing falls apart. And so I've seen so many good churches over the years that have taken a nosedive because uh, their great charismatic leader or great preacher uh, died or failed in ministry in some way uh, and is no longer qualified for ministry. And now uh, the whole church imploded. That cannot be the case. we got to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus. It's not about any one per person. Paul says that uh, above in this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Hey, it's not about Paul. It's not about Apollos. It's all about what God has done. Hey, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase at the end of the day. Colossians chapter 1 verse number 18 says this, and he is the head, speaking of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Hey, at who we call it, it's all about Jesus. And any biblical Bible preaching church, it's all about Jesus. We all have different roles that we fulfill. We all have different things that we do. But at the end of the day, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about Jesus. And when we forget that Jesus is the foundation, we put ourselves uh, in a very, very dangerous, precarious situation. So we've got to make sure that we always keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus. But it's not about a person, but it also can't be uh, about a place. I'm thankful for 1216 Wyman Street, man, 7,000 square feet of, of awesome, key real estate in the heart of Honolulu, uh, we couldn't be more strategically focused. I mean, as we've been looking at spaces where we could just have like one service, maybe two, 
we would find a good facility that didn't have any parking within a mile around. And so it's like, well, we were in shuttles for stuff like that. We found a place uh, that somebody had offered to use us at a low cost. We went and looked at it, and it was a bar. Uh, and I asked Brian, I said, can we just like hang a sheet up over the alcohol? And he's like, no, the whole place reeks of alcohol. <laughs> it's just like, okay, that's not going to work. And so I began to look in all these places, and it's so difficult to find a place where, you know, two or 300 people can get together and just worship Jesus for just a few hours on Sunday morning incredibly difficult. And so I'm thankful for the facility that we have. I'm thankful to even be able to meet here in this hotel today, for sure. But at the end of the day, the the church is not about a, a building, a place, a person. It's about Jesus. He's the foundation. He always has been, and he always will be. Next we see verse number 13. Let's take a look at that. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 13. Now, actually, back up to verse number 12. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, speaking of the foundation of Jesus, when you build, there are things you can build with. You can build with gold, silver, precious stones, or you can build with wood, hay, and stubble. And every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And so we see one day our building will be inspected. You and I one day will stand before God and he's going to take a look at our life, how we invested it, what we did with his word, how we obeyed his commandments or did not obey his commandments, and you and I will be uh, subject to inspection on how we built. And building inspectors are frustrating. They'll look at things and see things that you didn't see or you know, a wire that didn't get clipped or an outlet cover that didn't get put on and things like that. They're looking for things that are wrong. God's not looking for to nitpick your life or anything like that. What he's going to do is he's going to take your entire life's work and he's going to place it on a fire. And if you've built with gold, silver, precious stones, those things will be refined in that fire and be beautiful. If you've built your life with wood, hay, and stubble, it's going to burn in a split second. And everything that you have for your entire life will go up in smoke in a minute before God. And I want that to be a sobering thought with you, that one day I'm going to have to answer to God for the way that I live my life. How did I, how did I steward my marriage how did I raise my children? How did I use my vocation? How did I use the influence that God had given me? How did I spend the money that God had given me? What connections did I make with people to try to bring them to Jesus? Man, those things are, are gold, silver, precious stones. Man, who's playing football today? No idea. And you know what? That's all going to burn one day. You know, nobody cares who got a touchdown or who threw too many interceptions today and things like that. When you stand before God one day, none of that stuff matters, not a bit of it. How much money you made at your job or what the, the placard was that was outside of your office will not matter on the day that you see Jesus face to face. How you lived your life, how you built and invested in Jesus' church will mean everything on that day. But there's a final inspection that's coming. Now, for the unbelievers, they will stand at the great white throne judgment. God will open up the book of life, and their name will not be found written there. And the Bible says that they will be judged according to their works. And every person whose name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire for eternity. This is the second death. Revelation chapter 20. It's in your notes there. If you're here today and you don't know for sure that, that Jesus Christ is your Savior, let me tell you the most important thing that you'll ever hear in your entire lifetime. It is this. God loves you dearly and fiercely. He loves you with an undying, unconditional love. But you have sinned against God, and your sin has consequences. God gave you commands. You broke his commands. God gave you rules to live by. You went your own way. You did your own thing. You will pay for that one day, is what the Bible says, the consequences of your sin is death. You're going to die and spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell that burns with real fire for all of eternity, no second chances, no getting out. But God loves you too much to allow you to go to hell without another option. The only other option that you get in this life and the next is his son Jesus, but he's all that you'll ever need. Jesus died on the cross as payment for my sin and yours. Jesus paid that penalty. I was supposed to die. Jesus died for me. I was supposed to be punished. Jesus was punished on my behalf. 
And for every person that puts their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you can be forgiven. You can be born again. You can have new life in Jesus Christ. You can have your name written in the Lamb's book of life so that you will never see judgment and you will never see hell. There must be a time, a date, a place where you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, where you called out and says, God, I cannot save myself. I need you to save me. It's it's not a matter of becoming a Baptist or getting baptized or joining the church. It's a matter of saying, God, I know that I've sinned against you. I know that I've broken your law. I know I, I should be judged for my sin, but I'm asking Jesus to save me and forgive me of my sin because I believe that he is the only way. If you'd be willing to do that, God would save you in a split second. And you'll never stand at the judgment seat of Christ. You'll never be judged for your sin because all of the punishment for all of your sin, past, present, future, was placed upon Jesus Christ on the cross. So if there's never been a time in your life where you've been saved, (laughs) golden opportunity today. This could be a historic day, not just because we're meeting in a hotel, but it could be historic because you found Jesus and you were born again today. Don't, don't leave today without knowing for sure your sins are forgiven. The majority of people in the room, I know your story about when you put your faith and trust in Christ. Thankfully, you won't stand at the judgment seat of Christ, but believers will stand at the judgment seat of Christ. So you won't stand at the great white throne judgment, but believers will stand at the judgment seat of Christ. That's what Paul's talking about here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You'll stand before God and your life's work will be placed on a fire and, and whatever there is that, that is of no value will be burned in an instant. What you did for Christ that matters, that lasts, that will be left. And the Bible says every man will receive either a reward or a loss of reward. And so again, early on in my name Angela's Christian walk, we we're trying to figure out whether or not we really wanted to walk with Jesus and really do this thing uh, called the Christian life. I heard a, a pastor preach a, a sermon about the judgment seat of Christ, and he said, some of you one day will stand before God empty-handed because you lived your life for yourself. And I just had this picture in my mind of, of standing before God with my hands in my pockets and like, like, God, you gave me this life, you gave me money, you gave me a family, you gave me a job, and I have literally nothing of eternal value to show for it. And I remember the thought of that, and I was ashamed and embarrassed at the way that I'd lived my life. Ashamed. And I made a commitment that night. My wife and I walked forward an altar and we prayed. I made a commitment. God, I want to live a life that has eternal significance and value. That's all I want. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what you'll ask me to do, but I want, I'm willing to do that because I want to do something that matters. Jesus says, lay it not up your treasure here on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and steal. Lay up your treasure in heaven. Like you can either live for this world or you can live for heaven, but you can't do both. And so he says, I got a better way for you. So as we build our lives, as we build Jesus' church, take really good care as how you build. Make sure you're doing something of eternal significance. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body. According to that, he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Sometimes people say, well, I don't need a reward. I mean, the fact that I'm in heaven's reward enough. The reward isn't for you so that you and I get buttons that we get to wear in heaven. And people go, oh, did you see that button? He's got that super cool. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that the crowns that we receive, that we earn for living with eternal value, will cast at the feet of Jesus and worship to him. That we get to give Jesus, hey, Jesus, my entire life, this is my life's work. And it is yours because I valued you and I worship you. We get to do that. What a gift. But some people are going to be there one day, and they're just going to be like, I don't don't really have anything. God, you gave me a lot of stuff, but I didn't really use it wise. I used it for myself, and I didn't didn't live for the kingdom instead. And it's my job, my goal as your pastor to help you one day stand before God in joy, not embarrassment. I I want that for you to, to be like, man, I get to see Jesus, and when I get to see Jesus, I'll be able to say, I wasn't perfect. I I didn't bat a thousand, but I did my best every single day with this moment in mind. This moment of standing before my Savior, I've thought about this every single day for the last two decades. And I'm not perfect, but God, I am here, and I gave my life to you. And I want to hear him say, I want to hear it. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Man, that's it. That's all I want. But more than that, I want to prepare you for that type of life. 
Some of you are just living for whatever's right in front of your nose right now. You got to think a little bit further down the road in that. Some of you are just thinking about what you want in the next seven days. You need to be thinking about what you want in eternity. You need to be thinking about who you can bring with you. You need to be thinking about who you can invest in, who you can pour in, who could use a word of encouragement, who somebody you could grab coffee with, who somebody you could grab lunch with. And so many people have reached out to, to us. Our family felt so loved by our church family. People say like, hey, we're bringing a meal to you right now. I appreciate that. We don't need any meals right now. If we need meals, I'll let you know. But uh, our family's been displaced um, since the, the fire. We've been living in hotels. We've had four different hotels in the last week. It's been a, a nightmare. But God's been really, really good. People have offered to bring us meals. Hey, do this. Don't bring us a meal. Find somebody else in your church family this week to share a meal with. If you would do that, that would mean more to me than, than you bringing me a, a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And I love Chick-fil-A. But more valuable to me would be you investing in someone else. You know why? Because those things that you do, you'll see eternal fruit from that. When you get to heaven one day, that's going to be part of your gold, silver, and precious stones that you have prepared. And so... A few final thoughts here today and we're done. First of all, how will you build your life and how will you build Jesus' church? Are you living with an eternal mindset? Is what you're actually doing, does it count for the kingdom? I'm not saying that you got to be a, a pastor or a missionary. I'm just saying like uh, what you do, does it count? <laughs> my, uh, my daughter Tallulah, she's six, and her and my wife had a conversation this past week. Um, and my wife says... Um, well, Daddy's going to be home from work in just a little bit. And Tulu says, well, Mom, do you have a job? And she said, yeah, my job's taking care of you. And she was like, no, do you have, like, a real job? <laughs> How many moms love to hear that, right? Like, real job. And she said, well, you have to have a job to get money, so how do you get money, Mom? And she said, because this is my job, uh, and Dad works at a job where we actually make money. She's like, oh, okay. So she's trying to put all the pieces together. I'm still shocked. Here's the thing. We get credit card offers all the time with my wife's name on it. She's been pre-approved for like a $15,000 Discover card. Like, she hasn't had a paycheck in like 25 years. Like, who's paying this credit card bill what I want to know. Who's pre-approving this kind of stuff? I don't know, man. But some of you moms might be thinking to yourself, well, I don't really do anything of any significance other than just, you know, wipe bottoms and make, make you know, bottles all day. Like, what, when do I get to do something for the kingdom? Oh, you missed it. You missed all of it. Because Jesus says these little ones, they are the kingdom of heaven. That, that, that's a job. Like, like, I couldn't do it. I wouldn't want to stay home with my kids all day. Like, I couldn't live like that. Because God didn't wire me for that. But, but I, so many times I see moms want to do something of significance, something of value. And oftentimes that's because they don't get the praise that they need at home. And so, so fellas, you need to be better at praising mom for the, all the great work that she does. But raising up a child to love and follow Jesus is one of the best jobs you could ever have. It's, it's, it's discipleship. And so that's valuable. You might be a single adult going, I don't, I don't really have anything in my life. I don't have any kids. I don't have anything to steward. No, no, no. God's given you opportunity to steward your influence with other people, uh, to use your job, to use your connections, to use the people at your school, uh, to bring those people to Jesus. No, you have, all of us have work of eternal significance. No one is in the positions that we're in by coincidence or happenstance. God doesn't do that. God only does providence. So I ask you, how will you build your life in a way that it's eternally significant? And what can you bring to Jesus' church to help build it, strengthen it, and make it better? Again, we don't need cleanup efforts. We don't need you to wipe windows. We don't need you to, to, to sweep away debris. I need you to love people the way that Jesus loves people. That's what I want you to do. That's how I want you to build. That's what will make who we call it great. I'm, I'm looking forward to the day we get to be back in our, our own facility, be back home together. I'm looking forward to that. But in the meantime, the church doesn't stop and it never will stop. And look, if they condemned our building and bulldozed it tomorrow, our church will go forward because it's Jesus' church. Building makes it really convenient, but we're not going to wait around and twiddle our thumbs until we get a building back to start loving people and bringing them to Jesus. No, we don't need a building for that. But we need committed people to do that. Some of you have been attending Hui Kala for a while. You should join uh, officially as church members. Uh, church membership is not some, uh, some weird thing. It's just a commitment to that, hey, this is my church and this is where I want to serve. If you've been saved and you've been baptized, uh, you can join our church and begin serving in, in ministry capacity. Now, it requires a commitment on your part. 
You have to say, like, hey, I'm willing to be committed to, to faithfully attending church. I'm going to live a life that reflects Jesus in, in a good way. But there's no reason why any Bible-believing Christian could not join our church. And if you haven't yet, you're missing out on the opportunity of serving. You're missing out on the, a, part, a part of being able to invest and minister to other people and pour into other people's lives. And so I highly encourage you on the Church Center app, there's a button there that says church membership. Fill out that form. We'll send you all the information you need to know. I'd, I'd sit down with you and talk with you if you want to, if you have questions. But what you can't do is just sit back, disconnect, and wait for someone else to do it. When it comes to how you build your life, plan your work, work your plan. Again, I had a, a ton of new goals for the new year that I'm going to get to probably the beginning of February. Maybe I'll just make February 1st, like the new beginning of the new year. I don't know. But here's the thing. I, I still got a plan, and I'm still working my plan. I'm still staying in the Word. I'm still praying. I'm still connecting with other Christians. I'm still trying to love other people. I'm still trying to love my family. I'm trying to lead my family through this time. Uh, I'm trying to, to love other people in the process. Hey, I still got a plan. I'm still working my plan. If your plan is show up at... at 10, 15, make a cup of coffee, and then dip out before the doxology, that's a terrible plan, and you need to get a better plan. If that's your only plan for building and walking with Jesus, because that was never intended to be the Christian life, ever. And so you're doing like, like I'm thankful that you're here, I'm thankful that you come to a visible gathering of Jesus' church, but that's like, like barely scraping the bottom of what would even be considered like minimum requirements. Like that's not even the minimum so begin thinking like, hey, how can I build? Uh, somebody asked me this past week too, uh, is the church going to put together a, a GoFundMe or a fundraising effort for the fire damage? The answer to that is no. And I'll tell you why. Because this is Jesus' church and he's going to take care of it. We don't have to ask people on the internet, on Facebook to like and share and, and give us $10. This is Jesus' church. He's going to take care of it. You say, yeah, that's good. How does he take care of it? Through his church. <laughs> We're his church, right? And some of you are like, oh, I was with you when you said he was going to take care of it. No, no, he takes care of it through his church. We got this, right? I don't need to ask your, your grandmother for $20 to help fix what we got going on. Here's the thing. I'm hoping the, our, our interest is going to cover the majority of it. We've already had significant out-of-pocket costs just to get to where we're at today. But, hey, here's the thing. If our interest didn't cover a dime, I know this. Jesus has got this. And so, but that requires everybody to do their part. And so, so maybe part of your, your new year plan of working and building Jesus' church is being committed in your giving and tithing. Maybe it's being committed in, in your missions giving. Maybe it's being committed in, in, in some other area. Maybe it's church attendance. Maybe it's, I'm going to jump in a small group this year. Uh, hey, maybe I'm going to go through discipleship. Hey, I've been dragging my feet for so long in church membership. I'm going to join so I can start pouring into other people. Because you know who's next door teaching our kids? Our church members are. You know who, who got up here at 7 o'clock this morning and loaded all this gear in and hooked it all up? Our church members did. And so, again, it's a, it's a commitment to Jesus' church. So plan your work, work your plan. Next, as you build, choose quality materials. One of these days, your life is going to be burned. What's going to be left? Not what type of car you drove not what type of degree you have, not what college you went to, not what certifications that you got, or not how padded your resume was, or how fat your 401k was. All that is going to like, in a second. And like, I'm not saying you shouldn't save for retirement, or I should save for retirement, you money in savings. I don't, I'm not begrudging that. I'm saying this, that can't be the focus of my life. Look, if I was trying to figure out how to make my bank account fat, I wouldn't be a pastor. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be doing this. Uh, my wife could out-earn me probably two times. She is one of the, she's smart as a whip, and she could sell ice cubes to Eskimos. Uh, and, like, if I really wanted to get a fat bank account, I would have had her at work for the last 25 years, like, stacking cash. But we made a decision a long time ago. Money is immaterial to us. Money is a tool to help us advance the kingdom. That's it. And, and we, we have made sacrifices through our life to keep our kids, uh, my wife at home with our kids. We've made sacrifices for their education and things along those lines. Uh, but at the end of the day, you got to figure out what you're building with. If you're trying to build with the things of the world, it's going to burn really quick on first inspection. But if you're building your life with eternal significance in mind, I just want God to be glorified. I want to figure out how to help my family 
follow Jesus. I want to figure out how to advance my church family. And, and again, I want you to hear me on this. The, the goal of advancing our church family and building a strong church here is never, ever, ever about numbers. I have no desire to pastor a large church. I really don't. And if our church gets to be like 500 people, we're probably going to cut it in half and send half of them across town somewhere. Because the goal of the church is not to get bigger. The goal is of the church is to have more impact. And that happens as we, as the church, are committed to this process. So choose quality building materials next. Join the team. Again, I've given you the opportunity to, to join Huikala, to love, pray, give, serve, invest, to pour your life into other people. Sometimes people say, well, I want to I disciple somebody. I've gone through discipleship. I loved it. I want to disciple somebody. We have to be a church member first. I don't want to be a church member. You're precisely the type of person that we don't want influencing people, right? Because like we, part of discipleship is like, hey, I figured out how to follow Jesus and I'm going to show you how to learn the Bible, to learn how to walk with Jesus. I want you to follow my example. Just like Paul says, hey, as I follow Christ, I want you to follow me. And so the whole process of that is that. And so some of you maybe need to, 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 to join so that you can have a greater impact. Hey, you want to work with kids? We would love to have people working in children's ministry. We need to make sure that we're on the same page doctrinally. We need to make sure that you're walking with Jesus and don't roll in, you know, reeking of alcohol or marijuana on a Sunday morning. Uh, we need to make sure that you're not shacking up with your boyfriend or girlfriend or you're addicted to pornography or something like that. And, and that's not too high of a bar. That's just a biblical bar. We need to make sure that we're all on the same team together. So, man, join the team. Jump in. Get involved. And so I challenge you, we're building something of eternal significance. And, and again, uh, everybody wants to do something right now, and that's good, but we got to harness that into, it's not cleaning up a building or painting a building, it's loving and serving people. Finally, bring other people on the journey with you. Bring other people along. If you're a father, the number one people that you need to bring along is your family. Bring them along this journey. Hey, we're going to be here. We, we had men's prayer yesterday. About 30 or so guys met in the, uh, the lobby with no electricity. Uh, and it was awesome. We just got together. Uh, we prayed. But I said to those men, you guys are the leaders of our church and you're the leaders of your family. Lead well through this time. If you have children, it's your responsibility to bring your children along. If you're a single adult, you need to find other people that you can bring along with you. If you're a teenager, you need to find people uh, in your school that you go to uh, that you can bring along this journey with you because we're building something together, and it's called the kingdom of God. And we start with Jesus' church. We, we've got one another's back through this. One of the things that, that I hope you felt when you came in is you come into a place, some of you probably never even been to the Alamoana Hotel before. You had to watch that video that I, and like, slow it down to see where you're supposed to go. Never even been here before. But hopefully the second that you walked in, you're like, hey, these are my people. I know these people. It was a feeling of belonging, a feeling of being home, despite the fact that you might be in an unfamiliar place. These are still your people because that's what Jesus' church is. And now we got to bring other people along on the journey with us. I'm thankful today, if it's your first time here at Who We Call It, I'm glad you found us, and I'm glad you're here today. It means the world to me that you're here. we got to bring other people along on the journey with us. It's not just like, oh, this is my thing. I, I was young and immature and incredibly immature in my spiritual walk, and I was talking with a, a coworker one time about faith, and he's like, do you go to church anywhere? And I said to him, at the time, I'd become very disillusioned with church. I was 19, and I knew it all, right? Had it all figured out. And I said, well, I that's kind of private. You know, church is just kind of like a me and, me, and, me and the Lord thing, so I don't really like to talk about that. Super spiritual, right? No, I was running from accountability. I didn't want anybody to ask me how my walk was, because my walk was trash. <laughs> I didn't want anybody to ask me about where my Bible reading was, because I hadn't read the Bible in over a year. I didn't want anybody to ask me how my prayer walk was because I didn't pray. And so we, we sometimes shun accountability when we're not where we need to be. That's why it's so important to be a part of a community, a family, uh, where nobody's going to judge. Hey, look, if you haven't read the Bible in the last year, great. Start today. I don't care. I'm not judging you. It doesn't matter to me. You, you haven't prayed all week long. It's, it's January 7th. You haven't prayed yet this year. That's fine. Let's start today and just Come along together. That's part about being a part of the community. Most important thing in the world, if you've ever, never had a time in your life where you've been saved or born again, today's your opportunity. Are you 100% sure if you die today, heaven's your home? If not, make sure of that today. But for those of us that have been saved, those of us that have been born again, man, let's take a look at this week and how we're building our life. We won't gather together on Wednesday nights or Tuesday nights uh, at the church building 
uh, to pour into one another. We'll do it at different opportunities in different locations. You might say, well, well, we're not having discipleship this week. Who said that? I didn't say that. We just won't be meeting at the church building to have discipleship, but discipleship should be taking place throughout the week. Oh, we don't really have organized outreach. I mean, here's the thing. We don't have outreach on Saturday, organized at 9 o'clock, because I don't want to go to somebody's front door and say, hey, we're at Hui Kala, the church down by Alamoana, but we're not meeting there. We're actually meeting in the Alamoana Hibiscus Ballroom. Not Hibiscus Ballroom 1, Ballroom 1, not Ballroom 2. But we might not be there next Sunday, so if we're not there, just come back here. I don't want to confuse people, so we're going to kind of like put a pause on organized outreach until we get back into our building. But that doesn't stop you from going to work tomorrow and says, hey, my church is meeting at Alamoana Hotel. Have you been there before? I'm going to send you this, this video that shows you exactly how to get there. Super easy. I promise you won't get lost. I'm going to look out for you. It can't stop us from being the church. It can't stop us from pouring the word of God into people's lives. It can't stop us from having community and, and connecting with one another. So let's place great importance upon that this week. So what do I need from you? Not about the building. Not about fire damage. It's not about your... Uncle's cousin's roommate from college is an electrician. He could probably do something. We didn't, thank you. Thank you. We don't need it. I need you to love, pray, give, serve, invest. Because that's what the church does. That's what Jesus expects us to do. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.